Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join T2 and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. So welcome to the T2 Hubcast with me, Martin Johnson. And me, Tracy Roberts. T-Bone. <laughs> This is my she, new nickname. Tracy was just telling me <laughs> off air that she always laughs on podcasts and she listens to <laughs> herself back giggling. She's laughed the very first second. <laughs> so I called Tracy T-Bone. Um, don't know why. There's no sense to it. Um, but that's your nickname, isn't it? It's just stuck and it's better than some of the other nicknames I've had over the years. So we'll, we'll, we'll stay with that one, I think. Now, in the essence of starting as we mean to go on, radical candor. Yes. is the topic for discussion. So yes. I'm guessing we're going to have some radical candor. We are going to have lots of that. Discussing radical candor. Yes, we are. So you, last couple of sessions you've been doing, and it's it's based on a couple of things you've done in the past and also the book you've read. But obviously here at T2, we talk about subjects like, you know, in leadership and in teamwork around building trust, mm -hmm. around having psychological safety, around having healthy challenge debate and all of that stuff mm -hmm. around the Lencioni model. Great teams are honest with each other. Great teams speak openly. Great teams are transparent. Um, but they do it in the right way. Yeah. Because I think sometimes the terms conflict, you have to have conflict, you have to have disagreement. Yeah. They're quite scary and they can be quite counterproductive. Candor, that's quite an interesting word, isn't it? When you yeah. think of candor, people think, ooh, that, mm. that sounds uncomfortable. But just as a first question, Tracy, you've been doing a bit on radical candor in your sessions. Mm -hmm. What is it? <laughs> what is it if you were to describe it simply and why is it absolutely relevant for organizations, leaders and teams? Basically, it's it's a method of feeling comfortable giving feedback and praise. Really, I think that's the best summary. Um, it's kind of a, a model that's evolved out of all the models that we've seen previously. But the reason that the models maybe don't work in some situations is they're more leaning towards certain areas so some models are quite manipulative in terms of their management style if that makes sense you know how to get someone to do something this way how to kind of almost trick them into <laughs> accepting your feedback some are brutal really brutal and actually that goes the opposite way um, and what this is about is showing someone that you care deeply but you know there is an action that they can take to improve a situation or, you know, something that's going on in, in the workplace. So for that reason, if it's delivered in the right way, you can be honest, but it's not about being brutal. Yes. So it's so, not so much about what you say, it's the nature in which you say it, which counts, yeah. which, is, which we find ourselves saying a lot. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's almost like a, a, as well, like an agreement between a group of people that we are saying it's okay for us to be completely honest about anything and everything in the moment, yeah. as long as it's for the greater good and it's not brutally delivered. Yeah, and, and I think it's not a license to be a jerk, is what the lady who <laughs> writes the book, and her name's Kim Scott, for those of you that are listening that want to read the book, um, uh, because people do hear radical kind of go, oh, great, that just means we're just going to say what yeah, we like. I could give you it yeah. both barrels. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and when, you know, for those of you who know print profiles, you know, um, I'm an eight, Martin's an eight, we like to say our piece. Um, that doesn't mean that we cast a shadow in our shadow behaviors and just say it as it is. We have to put that filter on sometimes. Um, and you've got to look at the reasons why people don't like feedback. So why don't you like feedback? If someone says you want to give you feedback, yeah, what makes you 
what, what puts you back up about that? Well, I guess I'm going to answer the question. So <laughs> I guess for me as an 8-3, because we are similar but different in one context. Um, and for anybody listening who doesn't know what that means, my motivations are to be strong and self-reliant and to succeed and achieve in life. Traces are to be strong and self-reliant, but to be needed and appreciated. So similar in our in our need for independence and control mm. and, and all the rest of it and, and to stand on our own two feet, but different in the fact that I'm striving to achieve outcomes and goals and growth <laughs> yeah. and and achievements and you're trying to serve people and you know and, and make a difference to others yeah god that sounds like me that, that makes me sound like a right twat and you sound like real <laughs> and it makes you sound really nice i am you know literally I mean? the perfect print profile just <laughs> saying so so um so so what what makes me uncomfortable with feedback well i guess if i look at that the biggest trigger for me would be if i was to be criticized in front of others especially mm. then it would it would make it would it would sort of compromise my eight yeah to be strong and self-reliant and independent but it would absolutely i think trigger my three more which would say you're not succeeding and achieving because you're doing this wrong right or you're wrong or this that and the other and it's like and that i think gets my three more than my eight whereas it'd be interesting for you if you said the same thing is it your eight that gets triggered to be strong and self-reliant or is it if people give you feedback it makes you feel unneeded and unappreciated I think I was I was reflecting on this last night when I was thinking about this podcast. I was thinking it's a bit of both, but I think it's predominantly my two. Because if someone comes and says, I wanna I wanna give you feedback, naturally, for most humans, you will your back will go up because you'll think I've done something wrong or I'm gonna be challenged and you know, I've maybe upset someone, you know, if that's one of your drivers. Um, so I will naturally think, oh no, who have I upset? That's that's my natural reaction. Whereas my eight kicks in later when I think, oh, is it something that I did wrong? As in, if it was a situation, but it will always be led by what does that person think for me? And this is the magical thing. So you go, oh no, who have I upset? Whereas yeah. I go, shit, you think I'm no good? <laughs> well, the reason care. that does I, kick I, into me as well. I absolutely don't care who I'm upset. I'm like, <laughs> I don't give a shit, right? You know. But the, the point being is, you know, for different reasons, and and, and you could put another five people in this room who have different motivators and they don't like feedback and honesty for different reasons, whether it's it feels a bit too confrontational and uncomfortable yeah. or whether it's you're questioning my expertise and knowledge or whether it's, you know, um, you know, it, it, I'm perfect, correct and right. And I know how to do things and I've done it this way for a number yeah. of years and time and you're telling me now that I'm wrong. So th th it's just that exposure element to that survival mode element to feedback that we don't like as humans for different reasons yeah but coming back to radical candor if we then tread on eggshells and we don't give feedback and we don't have candor and we don't speak about the things we need to speak about i think the byproduct of that is worse further down oh, the line yeah. and we can look at that in the model <clears throat> in a minute for sure i think what we've got to bring it back to is feedback is not negative not all the time. Feedback, the, the purpose of feedback is to tell someone what they did really well and what they need to continue doing. Because we've got to bring the praise into the equation here as well. It's not just about giving negative feedback or, you know, but the other side is what to stop, reduce or avoid. So you are, if, as long as you show you're caring about that person and the approach that you're taking, whether it's, you know, to, to continue doing something or to stop doing something, if it comes from a good place, then people are probably more open to taking it. And it does really sting in the beginning when, you know, if you've not had that culture and then you start to take this on, 
then people all of a sudden start thinking, oh, hang on a minute, there's a little bit more feedback going on here. What, what What's going on? There's a little bit of a, a feeling of, I don't know, misalignment maybe initially. Um, so the 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 advice really, and, and Kim Scott does say this a lot in her podcast and her book, is to start with praise. Start practicing radically candid praise first. And I'll, I'll go through the model in a minute, um, which will kind of explain it better. But it does make sense, doesn't it? Well, we, I talk a lot about <clears throat> building up your credits. Yeah. It's a similar process. So in leadership, uh, you know, sessions and with leadership groups, I talk a lot about great leaders build up their credits yeah. with praise, recognition, reward and support so they earn the right to deliver the tough message when it comes. Yeah. And I think if it's stacked in the other direction where all you're doing is picking up all the bad things yeah. and all the things people are doing wrong and you've not got any credits in the bank, mm. it ain't going to wash. No. And I think it's a similar model, isn't it? It's yeah, like if you If you form a habit of going... I'm going to recognize the great things about you as they happen and arise. And then if something does need to be discussed, mm. I've earned the right to do so. That's the balance you want to be in. It is. But a lot of the stuff that <clears throat> comes from the praise element. So just, just to be clear before we kind of like d dig into the detail on this is sometimes praise seems disingenuous particularly in a workplace. So it's the um, uh, sort of approach of great job or, you know, repetitive kind of stuff like that. And for me, um, that makes me a little bit uncomfortable. I, I think it has to be genuine. It has to be kind of uh, more in the detail sometimes. Um, some of the models that they use is things like give more context. Um, the observation that you saw, you know, what it was that, that really made a difference. So sometimes you call it close and loop because you go, okay, so the thing that I saw you do did this thing which had this outcome and this is why it was great. And actually, maybe what we could do next time is we can continue that work, but do this with it, you know. So instead of just saying to that person, you did a great job on that podcast, which I know you're going to tell me later, um, you could go, the reason that you did a great job today was you did this, this and this. And as a consequence, our listeners will get this from that. So how do you feel about it? You know, and that is still you coming at it from a different angle, but being more specific. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking you know, now, as you're talking about <clears throat> scenarios we've had with that, where, you know, you've delivered a great session. But then you're planning for the next session and you'll go, can I just walk you through this? And you'll show me the work you've done and the prep you've done. And it's like, I can see what's gone into it and I can see the way your brain's working. Mm -hmm. and I can see how you're going to deliver it. And all my job sometimes is to go, look, that's amazing. But think about your timings, thinking about chopping it up into three sections mm -hmm. and think about this. Yeah. So you get the best of both because you of go, well, it's, it's easy for Martin to sit there and go, fantastic, Tracy, go and deliver it. <laughs> yeah. But you're not asking me for that. You're asking, you're asking a different pair of eyes to say, you know, is there any feedback on this? Mm. Is there any yeah. viewpoint on this? And um, and I think that that's, that's the difference between paying lip service and just going, yeah, 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 it's easy. Just get it off my plate and, and move on. And also, you're, you're right, you know, there's a fine line between not giving any recognition and praise and then overdoing it for the sake of it. Yeah. Well done. You just emptied the binge, Tracy. Nice job. <laughs> well, yeah. there was a scenario that we um, we were listening to a podcast the other week, myself and, and a friend of mine, and it was it was in relation to how that comes across really badly. So there was one CEO at a business that had said, I want to hand out, you know, the bonus awards this quarter, um, to which the HR lady had kind of gone, really? You don't really do that sort of stuff. And it was mainly because he felt he needed to jump in and add some, I guess, some praise somewhere. Um, and the response that he got from the humans that worked under him wasn't great because it seemed very disingenuous and because he wasn't necessarily always connected with them. And he didn't really know the detail of what they'd done to earn that bonus and, and, and stuff like that. And I think actually that rings true with me because I think I'd rather it just went in my bank. 
yeah. <laughs> rather that than someone look falsely at yeah. me and go. And also, it's like you've turned up on the grand stage at the end of the year to for the photographs and for the glory. <laughs> yeah. Yet you've walked past me four times in the in the office this year, and you don't even know my name. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Whereas if that was a leader who was absolutely instrumental in taking time to uncover and praising people throughout the year and having a degree of rapport. There's nobody that they'd want more to give them that award yeah. than that person. Absolutely. And that's the difference, isn't it? You know, And you can get it wrong <laughs> with praise. So, you know, you can come in and there might be a whole digital team working on something and you could go, you know, I just want to, you know, thank you all for all your hard work. And I want to call out, you know, the manager for doing a great job pulling it all together. But the reality is you don't know the detail of that. So it could have been, could have been our Dylan just doing all the work by himself and we've just gone and thanked everybody and then people in that team feel a little bit isolated and they kind of maybe feel a little bit despondent as a consequence of that so but I think one of the arguments is how long do you think it takes you to build up in your brain a conversation to give feedback and most people will say oh I had a sleepless night about it or you know for the hour building up to that meeting I thought oh you know I'm gonna have to really but if you ask someone how long does it take you to think about praise they go I don't think about that. I just say it. Mm. But the reality is you should probably put as just as much, not a sleepless night, obviously, but as much time into thinking about how you're going to deliver that to that human because there can still be good outcomes from that. Yeah, for sure. So let me just uh, move it move it along and put this on it then. So the reason that we can give praise in the moment and it feels comfortable and nice and rewarding is because mm. it's incredibly safe. It's incredibly nice you get really good chemical responses to it and yeah. it feels great to give it and it feels great for people to receive it so actually it's it, you're incentivized to give praise Bi yeah. biologically Naturally, you're yes. incentivized yeah. to give yeah. praise you're not incentivized to give feedback because it kicks in with the chimp with the fight or flight the cortisol yeah. the so it's uncomfortable for the giver and the receiver so mm. um so you've got to practice it i would have thought Oh, you've got to practice yeah. it for it to become a little bit more comfortable and yes. through the power of repetition. So when it comes to radical candor, are there any nuggets, ingredients, tips? Are there any things that is suggested in the model in the book or in anything mm. around this topic that actually people listening to this podcast can say, okay, so where do I get started, Tracy? If I if I feel yeah. genuinely uncomfortable with it, how do I get how do I approach it? Well, the first bit of advice I would give is start with the praise. So maybe even just as you, we'll go through the model in a minute, but when you get comfortable with that, work on the praise first. Because if you build the credits up, like you say, and you get comfortable with people, um, you know, expecting you to a degree sometimes to, to close the loop, give the praise, all the rest of it, that will definitely help. And it's not about the shit sandwich, by the way, because <laughs> the shit sandwich doesn't work. Because the positive people will focus on the bread and the negative people will focus on the shit in the middle. So it doesn't work. So it's about balancing it out and, and being... Is, sorry, Tracy, people say this to me all the time. Is it a shit sandwich? And it's like, no, because what you're talking about is just taking the opportunity to give praise where it's due, nothing else. No, It doesn't have to be, not. but now we need to focus on this. No. It's just... Great job on that today. I think it was an excellent piece of work. Just wanted to say well done. Nothing yeah. more. Yeah. So it's not the sandwich. It's take the opportunity at practicing praise where it's situationally relevant and sincere. And specific. Yeah. Really specific. <clears throat> and there might even be an outcome from the praise. That's the way I see it. It's like you might say, so I think we should do more of that in future. Or maybe we could, now that we've done such a great job of that, do you, what do you think we could do next with that? And then, then, then there's an outcome as well, which is great. So practice that. First things first is got to start with you. 
you know, it's like anything. It's like that whole action of giving and receiving that I'm always talking about. Someone's got to start it somewhere. You know, someone's got to stand up and it's usually got to be the leader. The leader's got to do it. So the advice I would give is, and certainly the advice to, to follow, you know, if you're going to go uh, on the framework is starts with you. You've got to go out there and be persistent with your people. You've got to go to your people and be humble about it and ask for feedback. Now, a lot of leaders out there will feel uncomfortable with that because they'll think, oh, what am I exposing myself to? But surely you'd want to know. And I think you can pick up from people's body language and you can dig under the, you know, ego tickling as well and think, right, okay. So how do you think I could help you more here? Or what could I have done to improve that situation? And people initially will be like, no, no, everything's fine. And they'll all be like this artificial harmony. But if you're a good leader, you can be really persistent and just keep picking at people until eventually someone goes, do you know what, actually maybe that was a little bit of you know the wrong direction today that you took or maybe you were a bit abrupt there or maybe and actually initially as a leader that could be a bit uncomfortable but I'd want to know I don't know about you I definitely mm. want to know and then people see you being exposed being vulnerable and as a consequence they're probably more likely to do the same thing with each other and with you and as a consequence you can be more open as a leader yeah. so I think it's got to start with you and you've got to encourage people to talk directly so where there's things going off to one side you know try and steer them back towards each other because it is very easy to jump in as a leader and try and rectify the situation in the middle isn't it we're talking about vulnerability a lot in many client engagements at the minute and i did a vulnerability exercise with a group of execs recently and it was a really it was a a challenging hour and a half but it was a real valuable one and the level of trust they they absolutely said in the room had gone up within the space of two hours And once one person went, it almost gave the license for the next person to go and the next person to go and it just spread like wildfire. And I think the reason we do 360s here at T2 is to try and get leaders to to encourage leaders to receive that feedback, even Mm. if it's initially via a report. Give yourself time to digest it and then you can start talking about it and, Mm. and exploring it. But well, there's Vulnerab- no vulnerability is key, yeah. If you're if you're doing if you're practicing this all the time, a 360 should not be a surprise. That's the way I see it. You know, you should understand what's going on around you. Um, apart from you know people who are maybe new in and not really sure where to direct their feedback, um, most people should be able to stand there and say, "Look, I'm giving you this feedback because I care a lot." You know, there's a great example actually. This might actually help frame it. So I'm going to talk you through what radical candor is in a minute. But firstly, um. The epitome of radical candor was this, okay? So caring deeply, but, you know, telling people directly what they think. So Kim mentions that she bought a puppy after lockdown um, and she loved this puppy, but because it was a lockdown puppy, it got away with murder. And it was a bit of a terror, to be honest. Now, I can reflect on this because I had a terror puppy when I uh, came out of lockdown as well. And she'd, you know, struggled to train the dog and the dog could be a bit unruly. And when she got out, you know, in public, it was a little bit noisy, a bit jumpy, all those things. Um, and she, she accepted that and she knew that some of this was her fault. You know, she'd let it go on a long time. And one particular day, the dog was, you know, walking along the street with her and jumped in front of a car with her on the end of the lead. So she sort of had to roll into the road to save the dog and roll back out. And while she was sort of laid on the pavement, getting her breath again, this guy came walking up to her and he went, are you all right? And she was like, you know, heart in her chest. Yeah, mm, yeah, mm, sort of. And he was like, yeah. I can see you love that dog. And she said, I just looked at him and I thought, oh, that's nice. He's checking in on me. He's, you know, he's, he's observed the love I've got for this dog. And he went, but if you don't take it to puppy lessons, you're both going to die. <laughs> and she said, he walked off and I sat there for a minute and I thought, 
that was the epitome of radical candor. At the minute it happened, he checked in on me. He let me know he cared. His face said everything, you know, the, the look of, you know, Karen, you know, are you okay? And the way he said it, but then he just told her and he was absolutely right in what he said. And she said, I can't really epitomize it any better than that. You know, that it was the right thing to say in the way it was said. And I didn't walk away thinking, you know, chuntering under my breath, which some people would normally do. Yeah. I actually thought, no, I, he's just given me exactly what I needed there. So um, puppy lessons it is. <laughs> Absolutely. And coming into the into this, because we've got 10 minutes and I want you to spend the 10 minutes on this, is the difference in that scenario is they didn't know each other. So he could, he could apply radical candor and walk off. Of course. Yeah. Whereas when you're a boss in the workplace or a colleague, it's hard because you've got to spend every day with that person and you, you don't do. want to, you don't want to have a fractious relationship. You don't want it to carry on. Mm. So it, it, you do need to approach it. It's absolutely powerful, but you need to approach it in the right way, don't mm. you? Absolutely. So you've said twice now, I'm going to take you through the model in a minute. Let's do it now. Let's do it. <laughs> So when you say the model, explain it to me. Just just give us so an we, insight. We've got mm. a we've got a grid that we kind of work off, and the way we explain it is that you know in the workplace you will probably see all four parts of this grid being adopted at, at specific periods. You might even find during the day you kind of bounce around all four. You're trying to stay in that top right quadrant, which is what we call radical candor, and that is you know saying what you you know giving the feedback but showing that you care, okay, and and having that balance. And while we're thinking about it, you know the the feedback you give is going to be humble, helpful, um, immediate wherever possible. Like, you know, don't let it stew. That's a common thing that goes on. Uh, you know, that thing you did three months ago, I really didn't like it. Okay, that's not going to go down well. Not overly opinion-based. It's no. got to have some type of, let me let me yeah. t- let me me replay the facts or let me share that with you. Yeah, or let's... take the personality out of it yeah, 100%. Absolutely, yeah. um, public where possible, uh, sorry, private where possible, not public, but praising public, sorry, if you can. Um, and in person or in video if you can't be in person. So that's the big thing. But what we tend to find is in a lot of businesses, we actually go to the other side of the grid which is the left-hand side. And that's what we call ruinous empathy. Now, that's when you actually really care about a human, but you don't want to hurt their feelings or you don't want to upset the apple cart. So you will sit there and think, okay, there's a situation going on there. I don't want to say it because I'm going to upset them. I'm worried about them. Okay, I'm worried about them, so I'm not going to say anything. So to, to keep the peace and to not hurt feelings, I won't address the issue. Yeah, so you'll you'll smile and you go, oh, yeah, everything's fine. And you look great. You did a great job, even though there's a little bit of you thinks there's a niggling thing that you should maybe tell them. Um, a good example of this is, you know, that's if someone, I don't know, has got something in their teeth. <laughs> and you sort of look away and think, okay, I don't want to don't want to approach that. I won't tell them because they'll be embarrassed, Okay. Um, Whereas the, the byproducts of that is you're letting them go go around yeah. all day with something yeah. in their teeth. You're not yeah. helping and then, them. And, really. you, and you feel worse because it's very interesting. You, you feel terrible. You watch them walk around, you feel terrible. Whereas on the bottom left, we've got um, manipulative sincerity. And that is where you almost know that, but don't really care about them. You care about you. So you think, oh, I'm embarrassed to go and say something to them. Um, or actually, that's quite funny. I'm going to let them walk around with that in their teeth. And you might even drop a WhatsApp to your friend in the office. Hey, have you seen her teeth? <laughs> you know, and it's it's almost like, you know, you, you don't care so much about them. You care more about how that affects you and how that could be seen if you were to approach them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas at the bottom right-hand side, um, we've got what we call obnoxious aggression. And that's a build-up sometimes. Um, it's where people just say what they want. <laughs> and sometimes it comes across as really, really and aggressive I, and defensive. And 
And I bet in this box is where you start to hear microaggressions oh, when we talk God, about microaggressions. Yeah. So when you start falling into, well, listen, you're not going to like what I'm about to say, but that's exactly or, it. With the best will in the world, okay. Or, Right, listen, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna talk straight here. Mm. Or whatever it might be. You know, when you get to that point and you start off a conversation like that, you're probably an obnoxious aggression. Absolutely. And sometimes what happens is you go around the grid in the wrong way. So say we've got a guy at work who doesn't pull his weight. I always use this story. And in fact, I use it, I use it in the training. I say he's a lovely guy. Uh, everyone likes him. He bring, you know, he brings all the party to work. He's he's good at a few things, but 80% of stuff he doesn't finish, he doesn't complete it properly. Everyone has to pick the pieces up. Um, nobody dares tell him what he does wrong because they like him. He's a lovely guy. So we generally sit on ruinous empathy. But there'll be a few people in that team that are picking his work up that will be falling down to manipulative sincerity. They're being nice to his face, but they're, you know, bitching for want of a better term behind his back. And he's got no idea he's doing a rubbish job, by the way. He thinks he's okay. You'll then have the other side of the grid where someone's really, really fed up of doing his work. And one day that will come to a head in the office. You know, they'll they'll come out as obnoxious aggression. There'll be an argument in a meeting or something similar. Um, and the reality is that in all of those quadrants, we're not doing him a favor. Because the reality is, from a from a professional perspective, A, we're not coaching him or we're not helping him know what he isn't doing right. So we don't know if it's skill or will. It might be will, in which case, yeah, it is his own fault. <laughs> but if it's skill, we've not told him what he's not done. Therefore, minute to, uh, you know, being on that ruinous empathy um, element is not going to help because he's not going to improve. We're certainly not going to help him in, in the bottom quadrants because he generally won't understand what's being said either behind his back. And when it blows up, he's probably not going to expect that. So some people will sit in ruinous empathy for that long and then be tipped over into obnoxious aggression, even though they're not naturally like that. They'll think, oh, I've had enough of this now. You know, I really have. Whereas actually, if we sit in that radical candor box, we we have the conversation. We, you know, we give him feedback for the stuff he does really well, but we also tell him, you know, the reality of the things he's not doing well. And he understands that we care. That's why. Yeah. So I'm thinking about myself as you've talked through that. Mm. And either I'm deluded and you'll tell me, you'll be, <laughs> you'll tell me with radical, radical candor, candor. Tracy, but I think I, I absolutely do practice radical candor in the most of the time i think mm. i'm incredibly honest with people yeah but it's genuinely always because i want people to succeed and do well yeah um and hopefully that balance of of delivering it in that way with with compassion is is there however if i was to tip into a different box if i'm in shadow i could probably tip into obnoxious aggression yeah i think it would be a trait of an eight i always say that when we're talking when your about patience it. is low yeah and the same things are happening time and time again, mm. and you've tried your radical candor yeah. three times over, Yeah, I think I could tip into obnoxious aggression. I reckon we could put all the print profiles in one of those boxes as a natural <laughs> default setting. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So the peace and harmony people might sit more in the ruinous empathy. Yes. Well, yeah. And then the manipulative yeah. sincerity might be like the people who are very social and kind of involved and have great, you know, great social circles and stuff. Um, yeah, so, you know, I think that could be, and then, you know, the people that that develop into really, really, you know, winners with radical candor, I think they practice it a lot, but they're, they're just comfortable having those conversations sometimes. So it does take a lot, a lot of practice to get it right. And also you've got to manage the emotional outputs. And that's what's difficult because a lot of the reason you don't have those conversations is you don't know what to do if you don't get the response you want. Yeah. So you've got to think, how do I manage that? And a lot of, 
what what can help there is just waiting for the reaction reading the body language and then you know just letting them know that you were trying to be helpful and that you might have missed the mark and you know what could you have done differently to deliver that you know so I think you can both grow together in that sense um because we're not always going to get it right unfortunately not everyone's going to be open to it which is why it's good to start with praise first I think um get get a few of those things under your belt and then sneak in those things that you know you think right it's mar- we well, all talk about marginal gains don't we yeah we're going to get marginal gains from radical candor yeah we sure. are and and to just reiterate that point before we for the last two minutes wrap up the salient points is this you know when you say around like let's start with the praise it's not a tactic it's not a technique it's no. not manipulation it's got to be sincere of course but some of specific. us are not good or comfortable like giving praise and you miss the opportunities to do so. And then mm. you can't practice radical candor because all you'll ever end up having a conversation about is the negatives, which no, no matter how much you, you do it well, if every conversation you have with your team members is of a performance improvement nature, it's going to get tiring no matter oh. how much, how well it's delivered. So practicing the praise and the recognition side sincerely is incredibly important. So T with a minute left, Sum up, and we'll, and we'll come back and do another podcast yeah, on this. There's more to it. Down, shouldn't we? Yeah. We'll come back and do a part two for this, for sure. But in essence, the concept of radical candor, it can be a marginal gain. It can be a game changer. Mm. And um, I think what you're saying is start thinking about where you sit. Are you are you You'll in that aggressive? That, yeah. uh, is it aggressive, obnoxious? Obnoxious aggression. Are you yeah. in obnoxious aggression? You need to pull it back a bit. Are you completely in the other two zones where you're avoiding it? either for the right or wrong reasons. Yeah, yeah. You've got to step into radical candor. Yeah. Which is, be honest with people, don't be afraid to give feedback, but when you do so, you deliver it in the right way and with the best intention in mind. Yeah, and, you know, work on that trust and vulnerability because that will help build that. Um, And as a consequence, you know, psychological safety will be high. Um, You're going to get win-wins. You're going to be consistent. Um, you're not going to have pockets of toxicity in the workplace because that's also quite a big thing. And it works always, remember, upwards, downwards, and to the side. You've got to be able to have those conversations in every direction. Um, but it's got to start with you as a leader. Yeah, love that. Tracy Roberts, thank you very much. We'll come back and do a part two because I want to deep dive into that and we'll call it Radical Candor Part Two. <laughs> Original. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. T, thank you very much. We'll park that there and uh, we'll be back shortly with another T2 Hubcast. Thank you.